Hello there, and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent, and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Oluwashina Okaleji in France and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we look ahead to the Under-20 Africa Cup of Nations, which starts this weekend in Egypt, with Senegal among the leading contenders. We have the second part of our interview with former Zambia international Clifford Mulenga, AFCON winner in 2012 and playing 17 seasons in South Africa. This week, Clifford tells us how players in Africa can be exploited when they're given contracts. You know, it's more like a, a gun to your head kind of thing where you're told you sign it or you don't sign at all. So players are pressured to sign this type of contract that they don't read. And That's coming later. Also, Stuart on the English Premier League as Manchester City take top spot from Arsenal. Before we look ahead to the under-20 AFCON, a word on the 2022 FIFA Club World Cup in Morocco, where Real Madrid were the champions and Al-Athli of Egypt finished fourth, losing the third-place match 4-2 to Flamengo of Brazil. Well, Planet Sport Football Africa's Oluwashina Okaleji was in Morocco. Al-Athli have reached the semi-finals for three editions in a row, with two third-place finishes when Pizzo Mossimani was coach, and fourth this time. So is this a good sign for African football, Shina? When you consider the fact that only two African teams have made finals of this tournament, um, Tipi Mazembe and Raja Casablanca, and then, of course, Al-Hali finishing um, third three times, um, like you pointed out, um, twice under the watchful eyes of Pizzo Massimani. I think what happened here in um, Morocco um, is a testament to the fact that African teams still need to do so much more uh, when they come up against South American, Asian, and, of course, European teams uh, at these global gatherings. Um, remember, Tunisia's Etouard de Sahel had finished fourth in 2007 and Al-Hali in 2012, and now they delayed 2020 event they finished fourth this third place playoff um against flamingo could have gone way better for alahali um against south american champions flamingo um who had to come from behind to earn a 4-2 win over the egyptian side um hamed abdul kadri had netted a brace for alahali to give them the lead but after defender ali mahalul missed the penalty um khalil abdul fatah's red card um in the 67 minute practically tilted the game in flamingo's favor and they won emphatically. Gabriel Barbosa with two penalties for the Brazilian side, while his strike partner Pedro also struck twice in Tangier. Um, a disappointing one for the fans of uh, Al Ali. And for African teams, they have another opportunity at the 2023 tournament scheduled to take place in Saudi Arabia from the 12th to 22nd of December. But before then, there needs to be improvement from the African teams. It's, it's enough to dominate on the continent, but you've got to step up when you come up against other teams in this tournament. So African teams still exposed at the highest level. Now the under-20 Africa Cup of Nations kicks off in Egypt this Sunday and runs for three weeks. The four teams that get to the semi-finals qualify for the 2023 FIFA Under-20 World Cup in Indonesia. Now, the defending champions, Ghana, didn't qualify. In Group A, we have Egypt, Mozambique, Senegal and Nigeria. In Group B, there's Uganda, the Central African Republic, South Sudan and Congo. And in Group C, Tunisia, the Gambia, Benin and Zambia. Uh, so, Shina, it's an important tournament. Uh, which teams stand out for you? 
Well, for all the talents on display at youth level, Senegal are yet to win um, these competitions. So I think this could be the year of the young Terraga Lions. And of course, remember, they just won um, the recently concluded Chan tournaments in Algeria. And um, they are also bringing in three players who shown at that tournament. Um, Lamin Kamara, undoubtedly my man of the tournament in terms of uh, his overall performance, a promising talent, as well as Pape Amadou Diallo and Mali Kambay. Remember, these three players have been snapped up by French club uh, Mets, so they really have nothing to prove. But of course, to help Senegal achieve success, Senegal are the African champions at senior level, champ tournament winners, and now they are going to the under 20 tournament. I think this could be the year for the Teranga Lions. Then we also don't need to look further than Nigeria. They've won seven titles. Ladan Boso, their coach, have drafted in good players from um, the youth setup in Nigeria. He's also picked players who are in the second team of professional clubs in Nigeria. They are unbeaten in their preparation game so far. Everything is looking good for Nigeria. And I think um, the host, Egypt, too, are a team to actually look out for. Um, unfortunately, they, they have one player who's been who's pulled out, Salah Basha, the striker who's coming from Italian 30-year side. Um, he's been injured, he's pulled out. But then again, um, Egypt can put up a strong team. They have a young squad that's capable of doing well. Scouts have come into this competition. The Commission of African Football said they've been inundated with um, requests for accreditation and whatnot for this tournament. It tells you that there's interest in this competition. Africa have talent on display, and those talents will actually be looking to impress scouts to also um, show what they're capable of doing. This tournament has also provided, um, you know, a lot of stars who have come in from this competition. Remember, we've had players like Seydou Keita, the Mali um, legend, Mohamed Salah, who is, of course, dominating in the English Premier League now, Yaya Toure of Ivory Coast, Patan Daka of Zambia, Hamad Mido of Egypt. They are products of this under-20 Afcon. And trust me, when I say these teams are going to actually light up the tournament in Egypt, um, tournaments across three centers in Cairo, Ismaila, and, of course, Alexandria, and um, the four semi-finalists will automatically qualify for the Under-20 World Cup in Indonesia. So I think attention will shift to the best of African talent on display in Egypt. Well, sounds exciting. Thanks very much, Sheena. That's a Planet Sport Football Africa's Aloha Sheena Arkeleji asking for your thoughts on this on social media this week. Who do you think will be the Under-20 Africa Cup of Nations champions? The tournament starting this weekend in Egypt. Senegal certainly among the leading contenders with plenty of talented players in their squad. Uh, Nigeria, though, have a record seven titles. Also the Gambia, Uganda and Tunisia there among the 12 teams taking part. So tell us who do you think will win the tournament and why? You can post a comment on our Facebook page. That's Planet Sport Football Africa. Or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Who do you think will be the under twenty Afcon champions? Now, the second round of group games in the CAF Champions League is on this weekend. Al Athli are back from the FIFA Club World Cup. They play away to Al Hilal of Sudan on Saturday. Vipers of Uganda, who lost 5-0 to Raja Casablanca of Morocco last weekend, will be hosting Horoya of Guinea. Algeria's Siar Belouzadad play at home to Tunisian giants Esperance. Belouzadad had a great 1-0 win away to Zamalek of Egypt last weekend. Well, next here on Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport, to the second part of our interview with former Zambia international Clifford Mulenga, 
who I was working with at the Chan in Algeria. We were doing commentary together on TV. Now, Malenga, who's a winger, was an AFCON winner in 2012 with Zambia. He won the CAF 2007 Young Player of the Year award and played for 17 seasons in South Africa. And he's still playing now back home at the age of 35 in Zambia with Forest Rangers. Now, with his great experience, I asked Clifford a bit about his thoughts on the exploitation of African footballers. Unfortunately, you are very right about that question, and the reason why a lot of、uh, African players are exploited is because、um, I don't think the the laws that govern our football in Africa are are really strong enough to protect the players, and I don't think the players themselves understand the laws of the game. They don't understand the the laws of the the leagues in which they play in. So you find some players who sign a contract without actually reading it. You know,、uh, some some clubs will make a player sign a contract right here without giving the player enough time to. You know, it's more like a, a gun to your head kind of thing where you're told you sign it or you don't sign at all. So players are pressured to sign this type of contract that they don't read, and so I feel like、uh, the laws of the football in Africa need to be tightened, and they need to make sure that the players understand these laws, and also the agents that、uh, you know manage these players also need to also help by. Helping their players understand the laws of the game in, 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 you know, in football and the contracts that they are getting their players into. You know, they need to also explain、uh, things that could affect the player's career, like in terms of、uh, disciplinary issues. Because you find the player gets fired from a club without any warning. You know, normally there, there has to be a verbal warning, then a written warning. You know, but because the club just wants to get rid of a player, they'll just say you are drunk and they'll just fire you, and the player does not understand. What his contract says, he will just take whatever is given, and 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 that is something that needs to really, really be be looked into. Where did you get guidance from, especially as a very young player?、Uh, fortunately for me, I, I grew up at uh, uh, Investor Pretoria Tax Academy, where we had the guidance of、uh, you know legendary coaches like Steve Hopt. Uh, there was a Paul Matthews there, and then I was managed by、uh, Glenn Binkin as well. One of, I think one of the best、uh, agents that、uh, South Africa has produced over the years, and so I was guided by these these knowledgeable people that really really explained the laws of the game to me. So I learned from from those type of people. Well, let's talk about the Zambia national team.、Um, you were part of the 2012 Afcon winning squad, and、um, you joined the senior team as a, a very young player. Yes,、uh, I, I remember very well when I first joined the the team. The coach was、uh, Kalusha Walia,、uh, one of the greatest players in African football.、Um, he was a was a coach that believed in youth. So when we were coming up from the under twenties, he really wanted to use us, and you know he called us there. And joining the national team was amazing because I got to meet, meet up with people that I looked up to when I was young. You know,、uh, players like Ian Bakala,、uh, Chintu Kampamba. You know, Collins and Besuma was there. There was Rodson Kilambe there. There was, there was just a whole lot of players that that I found. Then just to, to be amongst them was actually amazing, and it it, want, it made me want to be part of the national team so much that I had to work extra hard. So. Being in that team was was really really amazing. And、uh, the Afcon victory in 2012,、uh, how was it being part of that? It's definitely the the most amazing、uh, you know part of Zambian football history.、Um, though we've had some finals in the past, but I think that moment was just 
uh, amazing because we were very underrated in that tournament. No one gave us a chance to do what we did, but the unity of the team, you know, the leadership when the team by our coach, uh, Heavy Rena, you know, uh, our captain, uh, Christopher Gatongo, you know, we had some amazing players like, you know, Renford Kalaba in the team, uh, Stopira Sunzu, uh, Emmanuel Mayuka, James Shamanga. We really just had a team that wanted to win and we, we had that unity to say we, you know, we pushed each other to the limits that, you know, it, it was not easy to, to beat us. So, uh, many people did not think we'd win it, but we believed, we knew we could win it and it's what we did. And now Zambia can't even qualify for the AFCON having missed out on the last three editions. Uh, yes, I, it's very, very unfortunate. It's very painful because when you look at the talent that we have in our country, we should definitely be among us the, the, the top teams in, in AFCON, you know, every, every tournament. But unfortunately, uh, things have not gone our way. Uh, we're still trying to find our feet, I think. We're still drunk from the 2012 AFCON. But uh, there's been some progress that has been made recently. You know, there are all the, the youth teams are showing that they, you know we are building up properly, all of them qualifying for major tournaments. So uh, we hope that it will rub off on the national team and very soon we could find ourselves back in the tournament and compete, competing to, to win the tournament again. Yeah, let's hope so. <laughs> and for you yourself, uh, 35 and still playing, and you've avoided serious injury throughout your career. How have you managed to take care of yourself? Um, I think one of the things that I can say is uh, I have always avoided uh, too much of gym work and uh, overtraining myself. I see a lot of players get a lot of knocks because they overdo gym work and they, they overtrain themselves. You know, they don't give themselves enough time to rest. So when I when I've needed to rest, I have rested. You know, when I needed to do gym work, I've done gym work. Uh, when I've needed to eat well, I've eaten well, and uh, also I've. Uh, you know, uh, engaged a lot of my uh, the physical trainers from my club that I've played for to ask them like, how do I maintain my body, you know, in shape like that. So, so talking to people, you know, physiotherapists, physical trainers, eating well, and just normally just resting a lot has helped me to preserve my my, my body for such a long time. And uh, just finally, Clifford, um, what are your hopes for African football? What needs to be done to take the game forward uh, on the continent? Um, I think first and foremost um, uh, governments need to stay away from the running of football. I think uh, there's been a lot of disruptions in a lot of countries because of government interference and a lot of bias you know, in appointments to these kind of positions. I think people that deserve to run football should be allowed to, to run the game. And I feel like uh, CAF needs to also take a little bit more charge of the, of the African game. You know, they need to have, we need to have our own laws they need to create more continental tournaments. They need to encourage the, um, encourage local local uh, sporting uh, federations to you know to create more competitions in their countries to increase the number of the amount of money that's pumped. The investment that's going into the into football needs to be increased as well. And uh, we also need to encourage uh, you know former footballers, you know f- uh, football people, to get more involved in the running of football things. And uh, we need to. You know, to decide as as a continent, what is it that we want to achieve? Because we have got all the talent here that we can we can have in Africa, where we can create teams that can compete with the best teams out there. So I think it's all about uh, infrastructure improvement in all the countries, investment into this infrastructure, so that we can have state-of-the-art training facilities for our young players to to you know to showcase their talent, to be nurtured properly, to to become the best that, that they can be in the world. We then need to take our Etos and our Clifford Mlengas, our Sergio Manes, to be in Europe to be to become the best. They can start from here. The journey needs to start from home before we take it outside there. 
I was talking there to former Zambia international Clifford Mulenga. Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And still to come, Stuart on the English Premier League. Man City now on top. Also a word on Nathan Jones, fired as Southampton manager after just eight league games in charge. You can follow us on Twitter at Planet Sport FA. You can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programs in our archive. To download the app, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. When out to social media last week, we asked, have you lost patience with Liverpool? Uh, the Reds at the time were in 10th place after 20 games. So we asked, what do you think is the way forward? Should they part ways with manager Jurgen Klopp? Does he need to do something with the players or will things just start to come good for Liverpool soon? We start in Zambia and Keane Juar says Klopp is OK. Things will get better soon. Uh, Solomon in Liberia says we still need him. He can change things around for the good of the team. Another Liverpool fan, Belong Badgie in the Gambia, says I'm totally saddened by Liverpool's vulnerability. It's only a miracle which will see my beloved team getting into the top four this season. Klopp is now a victim of circumstances, so he should stay calm, be a good listener and try restructuring the team. He has good players around him to get positive results, says Belong. Ahmed Ali in Kenya says Liverpool are in transition. There are new players and some injuries have cost them. And Michael Matike in Cameroon says, I'm not a Liverpool fan, but I must say Klopp is an excellent football manager. What's happening to Liverpool now is just one of those things. But to many people felt that the departure of Sadio Mane to Bayern Munich was a key factor. Fadzanai Monzora in Zimbabwe says Mane was driving Liverpool. Klopp made a very big mistake letting him go. Prince Moscow says they sold their star man, Mane. That's why they're in this difficult situation and they should deal with it, says Prince. Curtis Conte in the USA says, I don't think Klopp is the main problem. Liverpool need a solid forward like Sancho Mane, says Curtis. And Opara Chiemeka in Nigeria says, I believe the reason why Liverpool are down now is because of the players' mentality. The way and manner Sadio Mane departed affected their mentality and they failed to recover from that. They lost their focus and their determination, says Opara. But Awe Oluwa Shegun Funmi Olamide in Nigeria says, yeah, maybe they shouldn't have sold Mane, but Mane alone isn't the reason why Liverpool aren't winning and why they're not playing the way they used to. Something like this happened in the 2020-21 season, even much worse though, because Liverpool had a bad losing run, and mind you, Mane was present in the squad at that time, says Awe. And Dixon Kalonga in Zambia says eras come to an end. Players are tired of his tactics. And a big Joseph Joseph in Nigeria says let Klopp be released of his duty until the end of this season so that he can get some fresh air, reorganize and think well. Let the assistant take over till the end of this season, says a big Joseph. At the end of the season, Klopp can then come back. And finally, Munya Mujigiwa in Zimbabwe says that this kind of Klopp downfall is because it's his seventh season. It first happened at Mines in his seventh season, then at Dortmund, and this now is his seventh season at Liverpool, says Munya. 
Well, thanks so much for all of those comments, and always great to hear from you here on Planet Sport Football Africa. Well, now let's go to our European football expert, Stuart Weir, in the UK and at Manchester City winning the big game, one of the biggest games of the season so far, beating Arsenal 3-1 away from home to go top of the table on goal difference. Um, what do you read into this result, Stuart? How significant is it? Well, as you say, for the first time this season, Arsenal are no longer top of the Premier League. OK, Arsenal have a game in hand, but they also have to play away at City. Arsenal played well for much of the game, but um, Enketia missed two good chances, while Manchester City were clinical with theirs. Again, you can say, look, it's only one game in 38, there's a long way to go. But there's no doubt that momentum has slipped away from Arsenal. And actually, Arsenal have not won any of their last four games, losing to Manchester City twice in the league and the FA Cup, losing to Everton and only drawing with Brentford. One could say also that of Arsenal's four league games this season against the other top four clubs, they recorded only one win. Now, the coming weekend, both the top two have difficult-looking away games. Manchester City at Nottingham Forest, while Arsenal go to Aston Villa, as the title race continues, and will do. Fifteen games left, and you know, Manchester United are now only five points off the top of the table. Steve, do you think that United fans dare dream of closing that gap? And this coming weekend, the big game at the bottom of the table is Everton, third from the bottom, playing Leeds, who are fourth from the bottom. But a win for Everton would take them out of the bottom three, with Leeds dropping down. And Wolves are at home to Bournemouth, West Ham away to Tottenham, with those three clubs also in the bottom six. Well, so really tight there. And um seems like, Stuart, every week we're talking about managers being fired. Um, this week, uh, Nathan Jones at uh, Southampton, the uh, latest to lose his job. Yes, Southampton lost at home to Wolves, and it was a desperate result for Southampton, who were leading 1-0, played for an hour against 10 men. But Jones was only in charge for... Eight league games, but he lost seven of them. I mean, ironically, he was in charge for six cup ties, losing only in the semi-final of the League Cup. And in the Premier League era, only Frank de Boer at Crystal Palace and Les Reed at Charlton Athletic lasted less than Jones's eight games. But it also means that now seven of the 20 Premier League clubs have fired their manager this season, and that... Of the bottom six, only West Ham and David Moyes have the same manager they started the season with. And, of course, Southampton are about to appoint their third manager of the season. And the reality is that probably two of those clubs currently in the bottom six who've changed the manager will still be relegated. You know, it's hard not to feel sorry for Nathan Jones. In charge for one game, then... A number of his players go off to the World Cup. Then he's suddenly putting out teams twice or three times a week in three competitions. He's signing players in the transfer window. And before he's a chance to organise them, he's gone. 
And you know, the margins are so small. Southampton leading 1-0 against Wolves, and had Jan Bednarek not conceded a freak own goal when the ball just got stuck between his legs, Southampton might have held on for the win, and Jones still been in the job. I said at the time that Nathan Jones is a fine man, but with no Premier League experience either as manager or player, and to come in in mid-season to take charge of a team whose players frankly didn't quite look good enough to try to keep him in the Premier League was a really tough task and the club owners having decided in November that he was the man to lead them to safety lost confidence and patience by February. Things move fast in football and we understand that Southampton approached Jesse Marsh uh, to replace Jones. Now Am I remembering correctly, Steve, but wasn't Jesse Marsh the person who was sacked by Leeds last week because the club didn't think he was capable of keeping a club in the Premier League? Well, apparently Southampton talked to him but couldn't reach an agreement with him about the length of contract. (laughs) A week is quite a long time in football. But one piece of fallout that we just need to consider regarding Nathan Jones is that in January, Ghanaian Kamaldin Suleimana and the Nigerian Paul Onuachu were signed. And where does that leave them? You know, signed by a manager who's already gone. Will the new boss want them? Finally, two statistics about Nathan Jones. In his short spell, he won four cup ties, which is actually more than Jurgen Klopp and Mikel Arteta combined have won this season. And while Jones was in charge of eight league games at Southampton, one of his predecessors, Ted Bates, who was manager from 1955 to 1973, was in charge of 787 games. Wow, uh, what a contrast. And um, Stuart, uh, bad weekend last weekend uh, for the VAR with some significant uh, controversies. Well, it's been described as the worst on record for VAR decisions. Top of the table, Arsenal drew 1-1 with Brentford, but Ivan Toney's equaliser for Brentford was clearly offside. The professional game match officials, the body that runs elite refereeing, said afterwards that VAR official Lee Mason had simply made a human error. And Mason has been stood down from duties for the coming weekend. Then there was Chelsea, who had a goal-bound shot stopped by West Ham's Thomas Suchek's arm in a manner that certainly should have resulted in a penalty. Apparently, uh, someone at Chelsea had a bit of a sense of humour because they were asked to vote on the best goalkeeper in the Premier League. Uh, and they nominated Thomas Suchek. Then there was Brighton, who drew 1-1 with Crystal Palace after uh, Estupinian seemed to have won the game for Brighton, but again his goal was wrongly judged to be offside, apparently because the VAR officials drew the offside line in the wrong place. So that's three games which finished 1-1, all of which should have resulted in a win had VAR got the decision correct. And this is serious business because Brighton and Chelsea could miss out on European football and Arsenal could be deprived of the Premier League title. In a tight season, two points at the end of the day could make quite a difference.
Already, interestingly, a number of Premier League clubs are calling for the replacement of the version of VAR that we're using with the semi-automatic offside system, which was used, for example, at the recent World Cup. Yeah, it was strange to hear a human error being blamed with uh, all of this uh, VAR technology. And uh, what else have we got for us, Stuart? Well, Steve, Huddersfield Town in the bottom three of the championship, have appointed Neil Warnock as their manager. Warnock, who is 74, has previously been manager of Notts County, Huddersfield, Plymouth Argyle, Oldham, Bury, Sheffield United, QPR, Leeds United, Crystal Palace, Rotherham, Cardiff City and Middlesbrough, so you can't say he's short of experience. Then there was Nampali's Mende from Senegal, who scored for Leicester City. And if you're a fan of him, you've been waiting 90 games for him to score his first goal for Leicester City. This week saw the first legs of half the knockout ties in the Champions League. Chelsea lost 1-0 away to Dortmund in Germany. Tottenham lost 1-0 away to AC Milan. Bayern Munich won in Paris against uh, Paris Saint-Germain. And the only game that wasn't 1-0 saw... Benfica from Portugal beating Bruges in Belgium. And the other four ties in the last 16 take place next Tuesday and Wednesday. And the pick of the round is Liverpool at home to Real Madrid, a repeat of last year's final. Well, looking forward to that one. Also looking forward to the Europa League round of 16 second leg next Thursday as Manchester United will host Barcelona after a very exciting 2-2 draw in the first leg. Well, thanks a lot, Stuart. That's it for the show for this week. So from me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Olawashina Okaleji in France, and from Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.